Under the Bar podcast with Rawdon and Tom, brought to you by the Icon Performance Health Centre. Yep. Out at uh, Tarman. Check out underthebarpodcast.com. Well, 24-7 just got serious, Tom. Oh, that's right. Icon. Yeah, white lab coats on, Bunsen burners, balls deep. Yes, all whatever of the above. Else. Now, mate, we've got a big show today. We're doing a little regular show. Uh, yep. We had uh, Dr. John Crisler on last week. He was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. That story he told about resuscitating himself what from a heart hell? attack. Yeah, it's uh, holy moly. <laughs> That's uh, really taken matters into your own hands. Mm. But, you know, it worked out well. Passionate, much like Nelson. Now, mate, a big show coming up. We've got the final segment in Dan Garner's recovery series. We have. So he's going to do recovery from injury. Okay. Recovery when it's acute yes. and um, how to sort of Italy. stave off injuries long term so dotting i's and crossing t's on the whole recovery front as it relates to injuries yeah that's a bit of a gray area because i think it's um it's different rice i think it was you know the ice compress i mean it's not my thing you know if they're injured i refer them out but uh yeah i think he's gonna um i dot t cross all that sort of stuff and uh have some clarification for us yeah so we'll talk to dan about that looking forward to it and we've got an interesting listener email uh, regards periodization so and this is a, a massive, massive topic, and yeah. it's too much to cover in a podcast, but we might give a, a brief summary as to how we approach periodization, periodization and, yep. and we'll have a bit of a look at that. Yeah, excellent. Uh, also, we've got a couple of lovely little packets of True Celtic yes. uh, available. Program sponsor. We can send that out to, uh, you know, Ireland. E- Ethiopia. Yeah, Kuwait. Mm. Anywhere in the world, you just have mm. to... Uh, Siberia. <laughs> Wherever you are. Leave us a favorable review on iTunes. Yep. Screenshot. Screenshot that. Send it through to info at underthebarpodcast.com. And Select how many? We're going to give two. 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 Away each, uh, episode. each episode. Very generous of us. Yes. Well, not of us. Of Sean. Mr. Sabido. Mr. Sabido. Thank yeah. you very much. So that's what's coming up. Right, Rawdon, this is uh, an email that's come through to info at underthebarpodcast.com. Okay. So we get, are we going to do our usual answer without actually answering We're not going to answer this one. Yes. No, okay. no. Just uh, checking. Absolutely no way we're answering this. Okay. Okay, message. I'm Bombs writing, away. I'm writing to suggest a podcast topic that I believe could be very helpful for your listeners. Okay. The topic is periodization that mm-hmm. is being criticized for a variety of reasons. Okay. Too rigid, too complicated, too time-consuming, not scientifically proven. Nice job, Cam. Uh, he's chasing, he's a, get, a, chasing fly a fly around the some sort of I think it's a fruit fly. fly yeah. yeah, it's a little smaller than your average fly. There it is oh, up there, Cam. This is our it's chance. Oh, I missed it. Oh, oh so close. No, Mister Miyagi, there, Tom. No, you would have got that with a couple of chopsticks. <laughs> Additionally, many coaches are tired of the discussion about which periodization system is the best. Uh-huh. For the above reasons, many coaches turn away from periodization. This is problematic because research indicates that to achieve optimal results with training programs that are longer than four weeks, principles of periodization must be applied. Fair call. The above critique is largely based on old ways of looking on periodization as rigid systems, rather than looking at periodization as a flexible strategy. Mm. I would love to be on your podcast to share a modern day practical perspective on periodization that will allow coaches to use this powerful principle in a way that suits their individual needs. Wow. Right. Sounds like this, this, this chap, what was his name? Uh, this is uh, Carsten. 
Carstens has got a degree in polywaffle, much like you and I have. <laughs> yeah. It's very, mate, I am sold. Uh, yes. Let's get him on. Yes. Let's get him on. But it's not that easy to get on the podcast. So then he goes on with a few points. What is the definition of periodization? Yep. Four key arguments that support periodization. The difference between periodization as a principle and examples. So it sounds like he knows what he's talking about. He's basically come up with his own method of flexible periodization. Uh, I guess. So what's the what's the gist of that? Can you can you sort of? Uh... Well, that's all he's given us. So he's ah, he, he dangled the carrot. He dangled the carrot. But I'm interested about Carson's theory on periodization, Rod. Maybe if he could, Carson, if you're listening, yeah, maybe well, he should be. Yeah, <laughs> everyone should be. <laughs> send through an email with a bit of an outline to your periodization model because yeah. that, that's. Um, it was just dangling carrots for that one. I was uh, intrigued, yes. but, uh, but I need to know more. But yeah, I'm interested. And this is where we make a distinction, Gordon, because there's a vast difference between programming for a strength or performance yeah. goal than there is for a body composition goal. For a, a strength goal, you can obviously plan mm. you know, a fair bit of detail and really stick to the plan. Whereas with a, a body comp goal, it's almost essential to come up with some sort of structure and plan, yep. and, and I like to do that, but it very rarely, almost never, mm. does it actually end up sticking to the plan because you take your measurements yeah. each week, each yeah. fortnight, each month, whatever it is, and based off what that body is doing, influences what you do with the food and the training thereafter. Yeah. And yeah. I'll ask you in a second, Rawdon, but yep. from my perspective, it's almost more nutritional periodization as mm. opposed to training programming you, you look at the big picture and you think about when this person needs to be in shape or what their goal is mm. and you think about okay well working back from there we know they're going to have to be dieting down at this point so the calories yep. will be down here and then there's a little window to have calories higher yeah so you look at how can i create a window where i can actually have a surplus of calories yes try and identify even if it's just a four to six week block to actually try and shape a physique and yeah. change the way it looks and then I'm looking at, well, how long do I need to set them up for that period of surplus? Yeah, right. Need that little setup phase, need mm. to get them drop some body fat, mm. hopefully create a window of time where you can bring some calories up methodically, yeah. change the shape of their physique. Yeah. So you look at where, you know, realistically you might be manipulating the amount of food they're eating yeah. and then design training programs that work in conjunction with that amount of nutrition. Yeah. Uh, do you want to give us a little insight into what yeah. you're doing these days? Um, I guess it's a bit more, you know, a bit more crystal ball-like for myself, you know, like... Uh, a wizard. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Wizard sleeve. Yes. That's what you got to have, Tom. you got to have one of those. I think we've got a, a new under-the-bar catchphrase. Yes. <laughs> wizard yeah. sleeve. Like, sometimes I reach into the wizard sleeve, Tom, and I, and I pull out the magic. But, yeah, like, it, it really is like a... I will talk to people, like, what do you like to do, uh, you know, nutritionally or, or programming-wise? And it's sort of like, well you do have a bit of a game plan and you do have a, a, a timeline in, at the back of your mind for sure like you see when the competition date is work your way back 100% agree with that and you know you do uh, push the boundaries as much as you can if the body fat's in check you know you got to uh, ideally that's why we uh, I think you do the same you know if someone needs to lean down a little bit first then we get them lean and then obviously we need a longer prep uh, and then we can build the muscle they're much more anabolic being a, a leaner individual uh, but that building of muscle coming into the show will have a, a, a timeline where they've got to, you know, as we say on the podcast, go balls deep and uh, really get amongst it. Uh, you know, dot eyes, cross T's, take them out of their comfort zone, uh, build that muscle, and then it's uh, game on uh, with the energy coming down. And yes, I acknowledge that you can definitely build muscle uh, in a slight energy deficit for some time, but when the reality is all the that anabolic machinery, the signaling, uh, 
pretty much in a, in a positive energy balance that's all switched on and when we start going into a negative energy balance and uh, start focusing on body composition because at the end of the day yes you know there are lots of variables that do influence um, you know fat loss but essentially it's that manipulating of energy balance that's, that's the key and uh, when we do uh, start uh, dipping initially uh, below what would be the, the theoretical baseline for the individual um, muscle mass can still be added with uh, you know appropriate training intensity and sleep and everything else as long as protein intakes are adequate and they have enough energy to train uh, but as soon as you start dripping down uh, dropping down into any significant uh, energy deficit which will invariably happen with with, with any prep mm. and even if it's uh, now I don't do any cardio with my clients you know or uh, they're just doing more training they're just using uh, training to elicit the more of an energy deficit but essentially it's it's the body having less energy to play with mm. and you know they're not going to build muscle so completely agree that it's a meso cycle to, to meso cycle that four to five week block but uh, I, I, I essentially program in uh, seven day micro cycles so it's essentially what happened in that seven days will influence the next seven days mm. and when I refer to that crystal ball and the wizard sleeve the new saying <laughs> it, it um, you sort of have a game plan and you know roughly where you're going to go yes. uh, with each week and, and what the calories are going to look like and you look how long they've been in a deficit and you know what the the, what the MRV what their max recovery volume has been like have they really been pushing the envelope and uh, at wit's end and they need that deload mm. um definitely like to keep intensity there but i still will fluctuate between the uh, and i think you do as well the accumulation intensification uh type blocks so periods of higher intensity and uh less volume and then, yep. then higher volume and less intensity but overall all of my programs will have some uh intensity or some mechanical tension uh, definitely some metabolic stress and uh, you know, hopefully, uh, 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 some muscle damage in there, covering all the bases of uh, uh, what hypertrophy uh, mm. is going to induce by. So, yeah, I don't think I answered the question at all, and uh, <laughs> as, as always, but um, but it, but 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 it is sort of evolutionary. I completely agree. That's and right. And and the process of planning, and it actually made me think of there's a guy called Brian Tracy Rawdon. I'm mm. not sure if you you might may have heard of him. Basically, he's like a bit of a personal development business okay. kind of guru mm-hmm. and um, Witch doctor. With, the, with the wizard sleeve, <laughs> the wizard sleeve. and um, he I was listening to an audio of his and he's basically talking about this study that they did on a whole lot of startup businesses okay. in Silicon Valley ah, and, yeah. and the success of the business was directly proportionate to the amount of detail that went into the initial planning yes but when they went and interviewed the CEOs of these businesses, they asked yeah. them how often they referred to the plan, yeah. and and they never did. Once yeah. the initial plan was done, it stayed in the drawer. They never looked at it, yep. and it was what actually happened totally deviated from yep. what that plan was. But for whatever magical reason, the process of going through the planning in the first place for sure. was what caused the result. And that's what with body composition, you need to create that plan so that there's clarity between yeah. you and the client and yes. the end vision is there then you dip into the wizard sleeve yeah. from week to week as yeah. you see what their body does because Ex- we can only ever guess what the body does exactly yeah. that's what I said like you need that it's sort of like when, when people do ask it's like mm, yeah well look sometimes I do do that uh, but then other times I don't you know oh, so what am I going to be doing well mm, let's see how you uh, progress in the next two weeks then I'll tell you yeah. you know they all want uh, what am I going to do you know what, what body weight am I going to be on stage you know mm-hmm. what body fat percentage do you think I'm going to be I'm just like well I don't really know any of that yes. you know, I'm just going to keep taking your money and uh, let's, let's uh, you know all things being equal we'll get yeah. you there and you'll be looking amazing yeah. but so um, 
Yeah, I mean, periodization. And, you know, there's so many different... Uh, Different ways, and I think if you can rationalise whatever, like, uh, what was um, Carsten? Carsten, I'm sure his, uh, if we do hear from him, it's going to make perfect sense and be yes. quite logical and and uh, usable for all our listeners. Yeah. And uh, if we do get that information, we'll talk about it. Absolutely. But, but you know, you could rationalise the methods you use, I'll rationalise mine, and they all make sense. And I think yep. at the end of the day, if you can do that, job then, done. Uh, job done. Uh, Carsten, if you're listening, we obviously we didn't answer your question, but we never do. If you yep. want to email us and send through some details of yep. your periodization model, we're both quite interested. Yeah. Once oh, again. we will take it and use it as our own. We'll <laughs> say, look, here's our new periodization model <laughs> That's right. called the Carson 2.0. Yeah. Info at underthebarpodcast.com. Under the Bar podcast with Tom and Rawdon. Check out Rawdon at the Dubois Method, Facebook and Instagram. Check out mm. me, tomhewitt.com.au. Check mm. out the podcast, mm. underthebarpodcast.com. Yes, yes. You can check out Cam on uh, Cam on Facebook. Just uh, <laughs> search for Cameron. Cam. It'll uh, come up. Underscore uh, ladyboydate.com. Yes, Is that the com. one? Yeah, yeah, that's the yeah. one. Loves it. Yeah. Off the back of Dr. John Chrysler, who we had on the program last week. Awesome. Um, uh, had good feedback uh, for him. Yes, there has been quite a lot of feedback that's come through. And we've got a little, uh, I guess, a bit of a case study because yeah. Look, yeah. I'll leave it to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, well, yeah. I mean, this, you, you know Arnie. And, yes. Uh, uh, for the, any of the guys that uh, coach back where we used to coach, we won't name names, but... Uh, Arnold was uh, one of the, the loyal uh, customers, part of the, the machinery back there. And um, basically, uh, I developed quite a relationship with him, being obviously manager of the club. And yep. I spoke to him about uh, testosterone therapy. For our listeners, you know, we have mentioned that, that I myself undergo the replacement therapy. I mentioned the, the particular doctor that I used to, to um, Arnold because he was uh, talking to me about... Uh, he trains quite hard, and, and for our listeners, you know, he's a pretty buff-looking uh, older guy, and, and, and you'll attest to this. He's yeah. uh, in pretty good shape, and but he was talking to me all the classic sort of symptoms, you know, lower energy than what he used to have, and um, the deterioration in performance in the gym, and and, and some stubborn fat, uh, you know, some fat gain that was sort of uh, hard to lose than what it has been in the past, and mm. and just a. An overall uh, lack of zest for for life, I, I suppose, in a general sense. He wasn't particularly uh, depressed or anything, but just sort yeah. of moseying along, doing what he does. And I just mentioned, I said, "Hey, you look, you're at, uh, you know, you're in a, an age bracket where things are declining uh, for you uh, in regards to your uh, testosterone levels. Why don't you uh, uh, get in touch with my doctor and um, go from there?" But he uh, shoot, shot me an email back. Um, I, I left it at that, and I hadn't heard anything anything back from him, but. Um, uh, he, he basically uh, sent me an email. I thought we would uh, a say hello to Arnold because yes. he listens to the program. He likes the podcast. Hey Arnie, how are you, Arnie? And um, sweating up a storm. Yes, yeah, loves really. to sweat. Two tail Arnold. Two tail Arnold. Yeah. Yes, very good. Um, so basically, he says uh, that he, uh, he sends me an email and says uh, blah blah blah. Then he goes into the difference has been life changing. The best thing, well, second best thing I like about the treatment is that. I just don't get tired as I once did. I used to need a nap on weekends. Now I can just power through with no stopping. And while the testosterone has been good, what is more potent is getting the estrogen under control with estrogen blockers, uh, aromatase inhibitors you're referring to there. 
uh, has an amazing effect on body fat. Like I said when we last spoke, the PT industry really needs to become a lot more open and honest with its clients about the need for these sorts of SUPs, especially for those a little older than the stock 20-year-old. Uh, then he goes on to say, I've just come back from the couple of weeks in the US, uh, but he's smashing the, the, the volume training routine and um, basically loving life. So, you know, obviously, you know, seeing this doctor for any sort of uh, performance enhancing benefits, he's a pretty cluey older guy and he'll see straight through it. So it's not like he can go and get the treatment if you don't actually legitimately need treatment. He has yeah. a series of questions and blood tests that he likes to use and um a process but but once uh, he deems you uh, uh worthy and then he'll um go on to a, a variety of treatments and uh basically there's a series of follow-ups initially dot and i's crossing t's getting everyone in that sweet spot like chrysler uh mentioned in regards mm. to estrogen and testosterone levels but um but as you can see i mean he felt the need to just tell me that it's been life-changing and that's yeah. a pretty big big call you know your life is now changed for forever you know you feel a, a new zest for life so um, but he made the point there is, is not many people know about it, you know, and it is quite a stigma still associated with it. My GP, uh, who's an awesome GP, who I normally see, I mentioned to her uh, that I was seeing someone else for handling, you know, the male uh, uh, andropause essentially, but the low testosterone side of things. And she sort of curled up her nose and looked down at me and said, oh, you know, I don't know about that. And, you know, it's all uh, performance enhancing. Sort of, she didn't say it in so many words, but there was a stigma associated from her. Mm. Um so, you know, it's a shame that there's a, a large, by the sounds of a large chunk of the community that not even just the training community, just, just men in general, in general. That, that are sort of uh, slowing down considerably with age and the quality of life. Mm. And it's not, I'm not saying that everyone falls into this, this, this uh, demographic at all, but no. there certainly would be quite a few out there, but they just don't know any different. Well, know? that's, I mean, for Arnie, if he hadn't spoken to you, he wouldn't have known and he may have just kept drifting in this little yeah. malaise where things just crept up so silently that you mm. don't realize that there's anything that can be done about it or that there's even a problem exactly. anything it's, wrong it's, in the first it's, place. It's acknowledging there's even a, a problem in, yeah. in the first place. So, you know, I mean, my hope, and I think you agree with this, at the very least, if we can at least get uh, people a little more aware of it and then maybe starting to have a little bit of a look into it with their local GP. But um, if anyone does want to um, utilize the the um, doctor that, that uh, is based uh, all around Australia, so um, it doesn't necessarily, I mean, they do have to live in Australia, obviously, but mm. he, I think he goes to all major cities and that's what he does in life. He, he, uh, he himself uses the testosterone therapy and um, he's certainly an ad advocate of it. And uh, he just, at uh, the age of, I don't know how old he is, but he's like, he'd be in his 60s, I'm pretty sure, but he mm. just jet sets around Australia and, uh, and um, you know, his, his sole purpose is just to help, uh, you know, men with, with uh, uh, low testosterone. That's what he's, uh, a bit like the Virgils and the Chrysler's, mm. you know, they seem to have this, um, you know, uh, profound understanding of the situation and this, this uh, driving passion just to help as many guys and, you know, he will send me an email and uh, thanks for s referring so-and-so and so-and-so. You know, they're having uh, great progress. And they go, these guys will see me in the gym and say, man, you know, thanks so much. My wife, you know, was enjoying, mm. you know, our, our time again. Fringe benefits. Fringe benefits. Yes. And, uh, you know, these guys are feeling strong and they just feel like a man again, yeah. which is, uh, 
you know, which is a, a, a primal existence. You know, we should be feeling virile and uh, mm. obviously not like when we're 20, but but still you don't have to get uh, meek and mild and uh, you resign yourself to living in a nursing home at uh, the age of, you know, 42. Uh, so can people email in to get some yeah, details? So or? yeah, info at uh, undertherbarpodcast.com. Uh, yep. Uh, but just mention that uh, you're interested in, um, you know, and it has to be legitimate cases. Like I said, it's yeah. not going to go anyone near... And any sort of super physiological dose of no. uh, testosterone therapy, and believe me, you can't you know pull one over his eyes. He's going to be well and truly onto you. You've tried. Yeah, yeah look, I've tried. I've tried to get more than <laughs> more than I needed. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, there's, yeah, there's different applications that you can use as well for you know for everyone. So yeah. um, if they are interested in, uh, more than happy to uh, pass their his details on to um, our Australian so, listeners and yeah. anyone from an international audience can still uh, email in info at underthebarpodcast.com yeah. and uh, we can pass those details on to Mr. Chrysler. Because he did say he works with uh, he works individuals individuals online internationally. So there's uh, awesome. there's that option as well. Thanks, Cam. Here we are on the podcast again. Rawdon, we've got Dan Garner for his final segment in yeah. the recovery but series. It won't be the last we hear of him, though. You, you know, it's, it's too hugely popular. Mm. Extravaganza. We don't want to give him any ideas, but he could very well start his own podcast. Yes. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and leave us for dead. Yeah. Dan, welcome back to the program, mate. Thanks for your time once again. No problem, guys. I'm happy to be here. I love talking shop. Okay, so talking shop, and to finish this up, it's the... Uh, well, I mean, I don't like to say it's inevitable, but we've all mm-hmm. had to deal with it at some stage. It's injury, Ooh. and um, it has a, obviously a physical impact on what you're able to do, but quite often the mental side of things of knowing that you can't train and yeah. knowing that you're injured is that hard. Can, that can be the hardest part. Very hard to cope with. So in terms of injuries, both what we do acutely and what we do longer term. That's Preventative what we, as yes, well, I guess. Yeah, yeah, very good point. That's what we'll cover with you today, mate. So um, where do we start in, in the realm of uh, recoveries from, from an injury? Yeah, um, I'm glad that we're getting into these different avenues. And this is w- one reason, like something I'm passionate about is recovery, but I think it's really important and I'm really happy we're able to do all these because it's important for everybody to realize that Everybody kind of just lumps recovery into one category, you know, just recover, you know, sleep, carbs, protein, supplements, they kind of all just get thrown in there and get a label on them that slapped Mm. recovery. Yep. But there's so many different sources of fatigue that require different strategies for recovery. And I'm glad that we've been able to unravel a lot of those. There was a ton in the last one. We talked about a ton of sleep things. We talked about how to measure it. And in this one, we're talking about injuries. And I mean, even beyond this, there's a big difference between short-term recovery and long-term recovery. Yes. So there's, uh, there's just so many, difference of reco- so many different avenues of recovery, and I'm glad that we're taking control of this. But um, when it comes to injury, this is another different avenue. It's different than recovery from exercise. So it's yeah. important to have a different discussion about yes, it. Yes, yes, yes. And it, it's easy to perceive injury as chaotic, you know, with, with the pain, the swelling, the dysfunction, the, ah, oh, man, I'm injured. I'm not going to yep. be able to train. I'm not going to be able to compete in that show. I'm not going to be able to compete yep. in the rugby yep. game this Saturday. You know, all there's a lot of physical and mental problems that can seem chaotic when you get injured but when you look at things biologically injury and the body has an organized and very consistent pattern of repair Mm. and it comes in three main phases inflammation being number one proliferation being number two and remodeling being number three 
And the goals that we're trying to accomplish within these three phases, you know, inflammation, that is, say, the stimulus for the body to release things that signal the immune system that say, holy crap, we've been uh, damaged, tissue is being destroyed here, cells are dead, we need the immune system to come clean this up and rebuild it. And inflammation is the red flag that signals the body. Proliferation is the immune system going in and cleaning things up, decreasing the inflammation, getting it ready for healing. And step three, the remodeling, is the actual remodeling of tissue. And within these three steps, there are things that we can do nutritionally to optimize the three steps. So our recovery from injury is not only quicker, but it's also a more greater quality recovery than it otherwise would have been. Yes. And I've used these strategies on my NFL athletes, and the doctors have been amazed at how quick these guys are recovering. Um, Most recently, I had a guy on the Houston Texans who tore his labrum. And I throw him on a certain protocol, including his diet and supplementation, and he recovered at a much greater rate than the doctors were expecting. And wow. he's already back in training. So okay. it's just they're, they're optimizing these phases is very important. And recovery, understanding what's going on, and utilizing this as a different strategy outside of the recovery strategies we use from exercise is really advantageous for us. Just jumping in there, Dan. Would it be fair to say, with with what we've covered so far, with the sleep, the the, the supplementation, the nutrition, the carbohydrates, the the protein in the, in the previous segments, if our listener uh, wants to lessen the the, the chances of, of injuries, not that it obviously takes it away completely, you know, having all those eyes dotted, t's crossed, they're going to put you in a much better position. Uh, much less likely uh, to injure yourself if, if um, all those things have been addressed uh, ongoing anyway? Great point, man, and that's absolutely true. Um, the more fatigue you accumulate in the body, there's a certain progression of bad things that happen, yeah. and it happens on a timeline. So when you start accumulating fatigue, the first thing that's going to happen is a breakdown in your technique. Yep, yep, the yep. second thing that's going to happen is a lack of progress. So the first technique breakdown, I mean, lifting weights is extremely technical. And this becomes even more so when you're lifting heavy loads. You know, all your body parts, the distribution of weight, driving through the heels, bracing, breathing right, um, holding 300 kilos like you're about to do, man. All this is a lot easier said than done. Technique is hard. Mm. And when you're fatigued, technique will break down and you'll start getting sloppy. And the second thing that happens is a lack of progress. So here you may be able to maintain your current strength and physique for some time, but the actual progression begins to slow or come to a halt. And this is because the accumulation of fatigue decreases overall anabolic concentrations of hormones in the body. It increases concentrations of catabolic hormones. It decreases your technical skill, like we just discussed, and it decreases your mental capacity for hard training. You know, you start saying things like, oh man, I'm just not feeling it today. So uh, along this um, regression timeline, I guess we could call it, is a technique breakdown, a lack of progress. The third thing is a decrease in performance. So before, we said that there's a lack of progress, but you're able to maintain. The next thing that happens is a decrease. So you actually start getting weaker and you start performing worse at your sport or performing worse in the gym. Weights that felt easy before are starting to feel like crap now yep. or stuff that you were doing out in the field with your speed, with the ball, any, any sport you play, you're missing more shots in basketball. This, these yep. things start happening. So that's mm. the third one. 
And the fourth one that's last on the list is what reminded me of this whole thing is injury. Yep. So yes. that's the last worst thing here to happen. And Rodden brought that up. Um, fatigue will eventually cause this. I mean, the combination of one, two, and three is a recipe of disaster because it's only a matter of time before an overworked, technically impaired, and under-recovered individual is yeah. going to get hurt. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. And you see that, that makes time sense. and time again, you know. So Dan would say all those things have happened and it's that cascade has led to an injury. Mm-hmm. What's the first port of call from that acute sense? Well, so step one's inflammation. And I mean, yes. during this phase, we want to utilize nutritional strategies that support and manage inflammation yes. and not blunt it. So we don't want to take everything at the same time to absolutely destroy inflammation because as I've already mentioned, inflammation is what's signaling the immune system to actually come repair it. So when we start using all this anti-inflammation stuff, we can actually prolong the rate at which we recover from this injury Mm, even if pain is decreased. So you're getting a double-edged sword there that is not worth the cost-benefit because you're going to be out of commission for longer. And it's actually a quick note here. It's important to note that this is relevant for training too. If you're doing all these anti-inflammatory things and artificially decreasing inflammation after a resistance training session, yes. you're also going to decrease the adaptations you gain from exercise. It works yep. the same with injury. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. Good that point. Makes, that makes sense. sense. Okay. So all what right? do we do so then? then so when we it don't. comes to this inflammation balance and what, what we want to do, um, fatty acid balance is really important. A diet high in trans fats, omega-6 rich vegetable oils and saturated fats will be pro-inflammatory, while right. a, high, a diet high in monounsaturated fats and omega-3 fats will be more anti-inflammatory. Yep. And studies have shown that high omega-6 to 3 ratios actually reduce collagen production, while low 3 to 6 ratio is supportive of healing. So it's not just talking about inflammation and hypothesizing. We've actually seen this. Yes. And it appears that even though this scenario leads to an anti-inflammatory response in the body, the response isn't enough to reduce healing. So we get the best of both worlds with that optimization of the fatty of the fats that we're taking in through our diet. Okay. And Dan, is that more of a uh, again preventative? Make sure your fatty acid balance is good rather than, oh, I've tweaked my shoulder, let's go have some omega-3 and some monounsaturated and nip it in the bud. Uh, I mean, you're actually taking over time and changing the, the, the cellular, uh, the fatty, uh, the lipid layer, and, and it's, it's more of a long-term prospect, that one? Yeah, so, I mean, your diet should typically consist mo- mainly of monounsaturated fats, so things like olive oil, avocado oil, nuts, nut butter. These are all things that should be in the diet all the time yes. yep. but they can be of greater emphasis when you're injured or if you're not if they're not in your diet all the time then definitely switch it over if you're injured, if you're injured but okay. there, there are silly ways to kind of do this too and I've actually made posts and videos about this too because uh, studies show that high dose fish oil so just 12 to 15 grams per day reduces immune function so we're affecting, say, phase two for injury recovery yeah, right. if we're taking too much fish oil per day. And a lot of people take too much fish oil per day every day. 
And yep. they just, because they don't know that it does very consistently, this isn't something we've seen in research once. This is something we've seen consistently in research, that a high-dose mm. fish oil consistently reduces immune function, which is also going to affect your the cascade. healing and repair from injury. Right, so it's not a case of more is better, it's the right amount. Yeah, yep. yeah that's right. And okay. um, <clears throat> when it comes to fish oil, it is important for phase one inflammation management, but it's recommended to stay in the three to six gram per day range. Okay, okay very, very good. good. Very good. All right, so moving on from inflammation, if we then look at proliferation, what's going on there and what are our strategies? Well, proliferation, this is immune function. And this is something maybe I should have said at the beginning, but mm -hmm. it's very relevant now, is we need calories for immune function. Right. So we're looking at our hierarchy again. Calories as regard to injury repair are incredibly, incredibly important because if you're not providing your body with the raw materials and needs in order to repair, then it's not going to repair. And if you don't have a high enough calorie intake, we know that hypocaloric states decrease immune function. So this is a directly affecting proliferation. But the reason why it's an intriguing and more exciting question is because your BMR increases depending on how injured you are. So your BMR, which is the basal metabolic rate, which is the rate that's measured actually while you sleep yep. and is indicative of the processes and the calories you burn per day just to stay alive. So not including physical energy expenditure or thermic effective feeding or any of the other stuff. Your BMR is just a measurement of the organ processes and doing the stuff you need to do to stay alive. Yep. Yep. But your BMR increases if you're injured because of all the repair that needs to happen yes. costs okay. a lot of energy. And your BMR can increase anywhere from 15 to 50 percent wow. based on the, uh, the severity of the trauma. So, okay. for example, sports injury and minor injury, say like um, ankle or elbow or things like this, this will increase your BMR about 15 to 20 percent. Whereas a major surgery or say if you, a lot of your body was burned, it can lead to a 50% increase in BMR. Okay. So when we're talking about phase two, you asked me, Tom, we want to optimize immune function, but to optimize immune function, we need to make sure our calories are set. And to make sure our calories are set, we need to make sure that we're um, taking into consideration the increase in basal metabolic rate that we're seeing from the severity of our injury. Yes. It's funny because more often than not someone chasing a body composition goal, they get injured and they can't train like, oh, I better not eat too much because I'll get fat and blah, blah, blah. And the first thing they do is actually pull back the calories. Yeah. And that's generally a mistake because you're going to get, B so let's say you're sedentary. So you're going to do your BMR times your catch McArdle. Is a, is a good calculator for yep. BMR for athletes. It's actually more accurate using Cash McArdle for athletes in general pop. But if you get your BMR, you multiply it by 1.2, that's sedentary, right? So that's somebody who is um, not working out, not doing anything, okay. BMR times 1.2. So some, someone like that. But that's, that's not including the yeah, increase. So then we need to do a BMR times 1.2 plus 20% then we have our actual BMR and taking our injury into consideration. Tell me, Dan, like how, for our listener, okay, they've got their pens out, they've, they've, they've made a no plus 20, up to 20% with an injury. How tweak the shoulder training last night? Well, better put the calories up 20% for the next week. <laughs> like, no, there's a big difference between being hurt and being injured. Right. Yep. So I think everybody understands what I mean by that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm dead. going 20%, mate. My shoulder's sore. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have yep. another chicken snitty, Cam. Yeah. 
Make it a double. No, no, okay. no. There's a big difference between being okay. hurt and being injured. If okay. you're injured, you know. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If okay. you're going to the gym, you know, and you're using that joint, you're probably not injured. You're not injured. You're hurt. Um, yeah. Okay. So we're supporting the immune function as much as we can with the extra, with the necessary calories, calories. during the um, proliferation stage. Anything else? Yeah, well, the proliferation stage, we're supporting immune function, right? So optimal micronutrient balance is very important. And actually garlic, man. Um, Garlic is awesome for increasing immune function. And actually, as far as superfoods go, um, garlic is really a food with probably more research benefits than any other food out there. Um, Garlic even beating blueberries. Uh, Garlic is a phenomenal food to include in the diet, but it's actually beneficial for immune function as well, which is why it makes sense to supplement with it or eat two to four cloves per day during this injury process. Wow. What about the associated garlic breath there, Dan? What do you do? (laughs) You know, I mean, Uh uh, you go for a pash. And the garlic uh, breath is on. Do you uh, continue with the It depends if you're on the prowl or not. Well, this is true. Well, Rotten's uh, always on the prowl. Always on the prowl. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what about, uh, I assume you're going to delve into uh, some supplements perhaps, but vitamin D, obviously that gets touted as a, as a super um, a supplement. Okay. Any role that, like injured, okay, bump vitamin D, 100,000 IU a day for, for a week type thing. Anything, any strategy in regards to that? Um, well, I think so. Let's let's travel back to something you said about maintenance. I think people should always be on vitamin D. Mm. Yeah. So okay. your your status should. I mean, you should always be on some sort of vitamin D. Um, and when it comes to micronutrients, the ones that are most important for injury specific. So I'm not talking about everything here. Yep. Injury specific, vitamin A, the B vitamins, vitamin C, vitamin D, but as well as calcium, copper iron, magnesium, manganese, and zinc. And these are all play big roles within injury recovery in their own unique way. But interestingly, vitamin E has been shown to slow healing. So it's, it's recommended to not be doing a lot of vitamin E during the injury period. Okay. okay. So right. So when it comes to the micronutrients and kind of just like just to rattle off a couple of things for the audience and their efficacy, I mean, vitamin A studies have been shown that collagen cross linkage is stronger with vitamin A supplementations. We're getting good quality here, but the repair was also quicker with vitamin A supplementation. And that was with 10,000 IU per day for the first two weeks after injury. And vitamin C acts as a powerful antioxidant, immune system modulator, and plays a role in collagen synthesis. So that's recommended anywhere from one to two grams a day. When it comes to copper, copper is a mineral. I am saying this right after vitamin C because copper is a mineral that assists in the formation of red blood cells, which is important for recovery, but it acts in concert with vitamin C to form elastin and to strengthen connective tissue. So making sure your multivitamin has about two to anywhere from two to four grams of copper per day is recommended during this initial recovery pair as well. Okay. And something that you guys and probably everybody listening to this podcast already takes in good amount per day is actually zinc. Yeah. So zinc is required for 300 enzymes in the body or over 300 and zinc deficiency has been associated with poor wound healing and as a zinc deficiency is one of the most common micronutrient deficiencies, supplementation with anywhere from 15 to 30 milligrams is recommended. So, so looking at a yep. good quality, good quality multivitamin there with making sure there's some copper uh, would be the way to go in regards to that. Yep. Yeah, I mean all these. Yeah, vitamins A, B, C, D, calcium, copper, iron, magnesium, manganese, and zinc. They're all important 
yep. they play their own role. You know, I was just saying different yes. things to, to show the diversity of the nutrients. Yep, yep. But um, I, I do want to make a point, though. Um, the research on injury recovery from a micronutrient perspective does need some more research. So there is some controversy as to whether the simple prevention of a deficiency we're after or if it's actual the ingestion of additional vitamins and minerals can be of benefit during this time okay so okay. yeah it, it's either delaying in a deficiency or supplementing with minerals mm. is the kind of the controversy right now but okay. research is what the research is and these have been shown very efficacious when it yeah. comes to injury repair and making sure that they're in and on point is very very i mean without micronutrients it's kind of like okay so you know when we talked about the big picture of repair and how one i mean the big picture of recovery and how one thing can knock it off yes this is Same. micronutrients all day man Same deal. like we yeah, can have okay. all these things in check but if we have a deficiency in zinc that's a huge problem okay yeah all right so making sure these are in check is just really really important calories and micronutrients are massive for injury repair, injury repair. Okay. Okay. okay very good well, and look, you know, d despite uh, the research that's yet to come, obviously with Dan's work in the field, in the trenches, would suggest that all these things are, are critical as well. Mm -hmm. So if we move yeah. on from the um, proliferation stage, Dan, and we're looking at the actual remodeling, what, uh, what are our key fundamentals there? So remodeling is limited by micronutrient availability. So we, we do need these micronutrients because they are actually what's catalyzing the collagen synthesis and the ligament repair and the red blood cell creation and the actual wound healing like with zinc. The, it's so remodeling is limited by micronutrient balance, but once you have micronutrient balance in check, we're getting back to the basics here. Let's get one gram of protein in per pound of body weight per day. We need protein to repair tissue mm. and don't remove carbohydrates. A lot of people will blunt and just oh man, I'm injured, I'm not training, I'm not gonna have any carbs because I'm gonna get fat. Well, first of all, that's not true. But yeah. second of all, you need carbohydrates during this period anyways. Carbohydrates do support immune function and carbohydrates do secrete insulin. And insulin is not just anabolic to skeletal muscle, it's anabolic to injury sites. Yeah. So that insulin's helping you repair injury as well. Very good. It's another uh, feather in the, the carbohydrate cap. Yeah, for sure. Very and good. when it comes to the overall remodeling stage, I do want to mention that NSAIDs, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, they're not only not recommended for proliferation and remodeling, but I mean, if, if you can get away without them, do it. Because although this was shown in rats, Celebrex reduced ligament strength in rats recovering from injury by 32%. So that's a big number and something we kind of want to avoid. And, and the, the, the gut issues with the non-steroidal anti-inflammatories as well is a big caveat with those too, yeah? Yeah, it's been shown to cause GI bleeding. Yeah. I mean, the, the, obviously the, the main reason why individuals will have the, the non-steroidal anti-inflammatories is because of pain. The pain. Like, what do you, you know, you, you, you're in pain, like, what do you do? We just tough it out or? Well, you can take non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. I mean, so that's the thing I would say context. Yeah. If it's mm. if it's bad, don't so, don't don't. I mean, like, don't try to not have them and suffer and not sleep and feel like crap. You don't have them, yeah. you know. But I would say that that's definitely a temporary and short term thing. 
right yep. so maybe like a, the first day uh, or just to ramp down that uh, initial pain and then yeah. come off just them as quick as you the, can the recommendation there would be don't be a baby and <laughs> um, <laughs> Cup of take, concrete. It, take it by ear you know because beyond interfering with ligament healing NSAIDs they're also going to interfere with the healing of muscle strains adaptations to weight training like we talked yep. about yep. but NSAIDs have also been shown to affect bone healing so okay. this is this is not something that I I can safely recommend I would say within context and short term okay yeah All right, cool Okay, well, I mean, that's a, a very complete way of looking at an injury recovery, but there's also a lot of carryover. Those general principles apply to what we're trying to do in a, a broader sense of recovery overall. Uh, getting the right food and getting the adequate, adequate calories, the right the protein macros, as the well. right macros, all that yep. kind of stuff. Yep. So it all does, uh, it all does link in. Synergistically tied yep. together. Yep. Anything else we need to add on recovery before we uh, wrap things right up there, Dan? Yeah, any other any um, other supplements no. there? Like yeah, so supplementation it, it is okay. So, L-arginine at seven grams a day has been shown beneficial. Glutamine has also been shown beneficial. Okay. Um, has also been shown beneficial. These things would be considered conditionally essential amino acids. Okay. So they're not essential for everyday living, but given the correct context, they can become essential for everyday living. Glutamine is a good example of this. In burn patients or people recovering from serious injuries, mm. the depletion of glutamine in the body used for the process of repair is increased very, very rapidly. And you need to supply and demand, man. So glutamine and arginine have been shown very beneficial in those scenarios. Um, I mentioned garlic. Curcumin is another fantastic supplement for phase one inflammation management. So don't go curcumin crazy, but one to two grams per day is ideal within this time. Okay, and as, as far as just overall strategies go and giving people something digestible to, to leave with, um, you're, you're right. A lot of the same things carry over, but just utilize in somewhat of a different strategy. But from a food perspective, um, it, it's very, very similar. You know, you do want to eat every three to five hours. You want to have one gram of protein per pound of body weight a day from yep. high quality sources, you know, like dairy, eggs. Um, meats, these kinds of foods. Yep. You want to keep your vegetable and fruit intake high, you know, anywhere from three to four servings of vegetables and one to two of fruit because yep. we do want antioxidants and all those micronutrients because we already discussed how important the antioxidants are going to be to inflammation management, but then also how important all those vitamins and minerals are going to be to the remodeling proliferation stage. And then for carbohydrates, you know, half a gram per pound of body weight per day, or say for you guys, be 1.1 grams per kilo per day, is going to be ideal if you're not training at all, but enough to make sure that healing is still being optimized. I would recommend, you know, minimally processed sources during this time, like oats, sweet potato, and beans, and quinoa would be fantastic during this time and not the high glycemic index necessarily yep, yep and yep. we did when it comes to food the we did discuss fatty acid balance okay. so making sure you're getting the correct fats in yes. per day but yes. not overdoing it on the fish oil very okay. good uh, right. conclusion and wrap up there the one thing that you did le- leave out or i would like to clarify there uh dan is um for the carbohydrate choice is a chocolate milk going to be okay uh, if you're injured <laughs> yeah <laughs> actually nah, nah. nah. <laughs> the old chocolate you milk me. you caught me <laughs> very good okay very good. great well, that's been fantastic, Dan. Mate, once again, a huge yeah, very good, very uh, good positive content. response from your segments, mate. That's the uh, the recovery series. 
and uh, no doubt we'll get you back on again mm. to mm. do uh, another mind-expanding little series. Yeah, an extravaganza of some description, Tom. <laughs> yes. A matrix. A matrix. A matrix of content. Very good. Okay. Very good. Thanks, thanks, Dan. Thanks so much, Dan. I'll talk to you soon, man. Cheers, guys. There he was, Dan Garner, strength coach and nutrition specialist. Very good. Well, that wraps up another Dan Garner series, mm. Gordon. Uh, fascinating stuff there from him, as always. He's Mate, very, he's, very good. He's very well received. We get a lot of feedback from him. I certainly do on my uh, uh, Facebook. Yep. A lot of guys will, and girls will tell me that they love Dan Garner. So, Dan, if you're listening, they love you. Well, Just like Tom and I do. We'll get him back. With a, There's more in the works for Dan. But yep. um, What are we thinking? We're... I think there's going to be a more of a performance-based uh, series. Yep. So we might do the, the series on performance, athletic performance, peaking, peaking the for the day, all that yep. kind of stuff, nutrition. How to how to whack a ton of muscle on in a short, short period, period of off-season type yep. athlete. Yep. yep, all that kind of stuff. So we'll get Dan back on again. Uh, we've got another couple of um, special guests lined up for some regular spots on the program as well. So it's yep. all jam-packed. For any listeners that want to touch base with us, because we do um, create this uh, little regular episode to answer your questions. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, send send us them an in. Email through to info at underthebarpodcast.com to get yourself some true Celtic and start mm. the day with that lovely uh, Celtic rock salt Adrenal- harvested off the coast of France. Uh, yes, the adrenals will thank you for it. Go to the iTunes page, leave a review. Uh-huh. A Does there have to be a favourable review or no, just any review? Any review will do us. Yep. Any review will do us. Rip whatever. into us. Yeah, balls deep. Balls deep. Warts and all. Screenshot the review. Email it through to the info at underthebarpodcast.com. You're in the running. Running. You're in the running to get yourself some true Celtic. Yep. And that's been another program. Not Thank you very room. much. See you guys. Good work, Tom. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, mate.